I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. talking about vaccine a little bit ago and uh, we had the numbers the other day of uh, the pr- pretty large percentage of people that won't say they won't take it of democrats 20 percent won't take it about half of republicans won't take it um uh, will the won't we end up with a situation where like uh where you work i'll say well you're not coming back to work unless you can get the you show you have gotten the vaccine it's entirely possible yeah can they do that sure i think so I mean, yeah, I would expect so. I'm not far from an expert in labor health law, but as a condition of coming back to the office, yes, and then they could say, and you got to come back to the office. Oh, right. Yeah, that's there, will, there will probably be court cases, but I suspect, you know. I think there'll be a lot of that. You, okay, you don't have to take it, but your kid's not coming to school, and you're not going to work, right? and you're not coming in the store. I'll bet we'll have to carry around a little thing. To go into the store. Yeah, I don't know about that. It's possible. We've just seen that the governors and and state and county health people have enormous latitude during a, an epidemic or a pandemic. So, yeah, I could I could easily believe employers will say, yeah, you got to get the the vid vaccine if you want to come back in. I could also also easily believe that restaurants would make you show your little uh, thing before they let you come in and sit down. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm not saying you're wrong. It's harder for me to imagine. By the way, I would take the the vaccine in the blink of an eye without even thinking about it. Putin's, Science is sound. It's good stuff. Putin's vaccine? No, no. U.S. vaccine? Yeah, a good you know phase four approved. Go ahead and use it. You know. What if it's vaccine? a series of shots in your belly button? Oh Lord, would you shut up? What what are you doing? I don't know. What is your purpose here? I have no idea. So coming up, a <laughs> uh, very controversial email from a teacher who's a listener of the show, and a controversial uh, email from a, uh, a listener of the show who is a black person answering my question about Kamala Harris. If you didn't hear it, 
uh, it will shock you. Hmm. Stay tuned. Your tweet yesterday, Jack, getting tremendous response. What did I tweet? Has to do I with... I tweeted yesterday? Uh, listen, this is important no matter where you live. Cal Unicornia, where realism is gone to die, passes these laws that, according to all of the progressive types, are leading the nation toward our progressive future. And you and they will sell this stuff to you. They're very good at it. They'll sell it to you and make it sound good and fair and equitable and, and enlightened. And the rest. We're here to tell you how damaging this crap is. For instance, California's infamous AB5 passed by uh, uh, the, the one-party legislature at the behest of a woman who is absolutely in bed with the unions and does their bidding no matter how evil. Um, but AB5 attempted to turn all gig workers into, a, into employees. Everything from hairstylists to, to artists to musicians to uh, some doctors to real estate agents to quite famously Uber and Lyft drivers. And some knucklehead judge said, yeah, looks fine to me the other day. So the Uber CEO says the company will likely shut down service in California. So those people listening around the country, picture this. You fly into L.A. for a conference or San Francisco or San Diego or wherever you're flying into. You're now going to have to get the old fashioned yellow taxi. Right. Oh, man, you thought that was behind you for the rest of your life, didn't you? Mm. No Uber in California. Wow. Right. And if you're off in some medium-sized town or whatever, you, you get your drink on, you and your sweetheart going out for dinner or whatever, you're planning to Uber home so you can do the right thing? No. You're going to have to hope your suburb has enough taxis to get you home, or you're going to get behind the wheel and drive and think, I, I think I'm okay. Um, so, yeah, in, in the state with you know, 35 million, 40 million people, however many people have snuck into California at this point, um, balanced off by those fleeing as fast as they can, uh, Uber says they will likely shut down because of disastrous AB5, which is entirely for the unions to get them more members. I'm surprised they said likely. The whole business model only works the way it currently is. If if you're going to have to treat them as regular employees and health insurance and HR and all these different things, you can't have Uber. Right. It doesn't work anymore. Right. The guy who wants to drive four hours a week or, or 20 or 40 or whatever. The right. gal who, who thinks, you know, Friday nights I can make some pretty good money and I don't really go out much anymore. So, yeah, Friday evening for four or five hours I'll drive. Nope. nope. And all those people, have you ever talked to Uber drivers? I mean, come on. All those people that were doing that a few hours a week as much as they wanted. Sometimes, you know, oh, hey, there's a conference this week. I'm going to I'm gonna work a whole bunch of shifts and save up a little money for Christmas or something like that. You just outlawed their ability to do that. Yeah. That's crazy. And, uh, Jack, if I might quote you in your eloquent tweet that's gotten such good reaction. Nice job, California. You really helped all those drivers who are voluntarily earning extra money. You outlawed their jobs. Now they'll make nothing. Fantastic. You moronic blankety blankheads. <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, I would be so mad if I was making a little extra coin driving Uber. And it was really working out for me. And the state says, nah, you can't do that. No, that you're not company, being treated well enough. That, yeah, I am, according to me. I decided it's fine. No, no, it's not fine. We're going to protect you for your own good. Now you're poverty stricken. God, 
God, the whole liberal thing is often a progressive thing is protecting you from your own good when you're saying, I don't want it's like it's like the the black neighborhoods in New York or wherever are saying, hey, white liberals, stop telling us we don't need cops here. Shut up. Oh, I have a great example of that coming up. And now it's, hey, hey, do gooders. I'm an Uber driver. I want to keep doing this. Quit telling me that I can't. Quit telling me I'm being taken advantage of. I'm all right with this. Right. I also love this. This is from the Daily Wire. The left celebrates woman VP pick, forgetting that women no longer exist according to their ideology. A A woman is anyone who says they're a woman. They might have a penis and testicles, a long beard and big strapping muscles on their arms. But if they say they're a woman, they're a woman. Therefore, no one's a woman. There's no such thing as a woman. If, if you just gave birth to quadruplets and you want to call yourself a man, you're not a woman. So obviously, the idea of a woman no longer exists on the left, yet they're celebrating a woman getting elected. Both yeah. both the camps I just signed my son up for, uh, he did a paintball camp and a skateboard camp. On both of them, you had to put in their name, their age, and then for sex, you had male, female, binary, or neither on the choice for the camps now. Mm. <laughs> I think that's hilarious. Yeah, but right. that is that. how does that fit in with the historic fact that it's a first woman this or that? And then they don't they don't quite square. Matt Walsh tweeted in reply to this, and and I love this, and I'm going to do this. He said, Many leftists have told me that the claim I make here is absurd. They absolutely do believe that women exist, they say. Yet none of them, not a single one, can actually define the word woman. Just ask them. Ask any of them. They can't do it. It's hilarious. I can absolutely picture that. Tying themselves in absolute rhetorical pretzels trying to answer, all right, what is a woman? While respecting uh, uh, women with testicles who, uh, uh, men who menstruate, uh, well, a woman is, uh, um, I love that. That is so brilliant. Call this stuff out for crazy. You know why you should do that? Because it's crazy. (laughs) So coming up, uh, I want to share with you, speaking of controversial topics in which progressive America has lost its freaking mind, uh, a a rather provocative email from a teacher and one from a black man responding to my question about Kamala Harris as a black candidate. Controversial question, controversial answer. Awesome. I want to hear that. We got this text. Um, Oh, it disappeared. Dang it. Let me see if I can find it real quick because it's good. I hate when that happens. Well, anyway, it's somebody who uh, is in North Dakota, and they had a person uh, test positive uh, at work or had symptoms at work, so they had to quarantine for I know what it was. They'd come in contact with someone who had coronavirus. Okay. And so this company made that employee quarantine for two, two weeks. Hey, we were just talking about Cardi B. Do we still have Cardi B around? Come on, everybody. Coronavirus. What do you have to tip you guys? Coronavirus. Are you gig workers? WAP, coronavirus. Ooh. Um, that's probably well, a good way to spread the virus. Where were we? Um, <laughs> oh, I'll bet it is. So North Dakota business guy had came in contact with somebody who had COVID, so the company made them take two weeks off quarantining. You can't come into work. you got to work from home or whatever. Mm-hmm. The person decided, okay, well, this is I'm going to take the time and go to Sturgis. So they went to Sturgis. They did... Have having come back, find out that they did test positive. So we know of at least one person that was at Sturgis, two hundred fifty thousand people, almost entirely maskless. Yeah, that uh, 
was there with COVID. So you participate in the sneezing contest? The, the bars that are having sneezing contests. I find that hilarious, even though it's a terrible idea. Yeah, um, yeah I get it. <laughs> it's, it's a certain spirit. Yeah, it is a certain spirit. Yeah. But And I don't want it to be. I'm pro-motorcycle. I, I hate the government telling me what to do. I like the whole lifestyle of the Sturgis thing. But that could end up being a great super spreader. Listen, I'm not political about this thing, other than I think we ought to err to the side of liberty. Um, it's nearly impossible that that won't be uh, the source of a gigantic outbreak. It's almost impossible that it won't be. When I went to Sturgis, the amazing thing was riding a motorcycle. Every place I stopped on the way, and it was uh, I was driving from California to the middle of the country, every gas station, every on-ramp, everywhere, there were motorcycles joining in just this giant. It was a cool thing to be a part of. It was just this giant... Everybody coming from all over the country, heading the same direction at the yeah. same time, yep. and the and the and the and I went by myself. But you're riding with a group; you can't help it. And the group just kept getting bigger and bigger until the highway is just nothing but motorcycles, uh, you know, hundreds of miles away from there. You had a great in. big convoy, ain't she a beautiful sight? But you have that uh, heading out the other direction with coronavirus. Maybe this time around, going to back to whatever town they, you, you live in, Uh-oh. having picked up the vid. I mean, this could spread it in a way nothing has. Coronavirus! I mean, it would be difficult and expensive to try to get that many people from that many different places all in one spot to get coronavirus and then send them back home. Right. But, but Sturgis may have, may pull it off. Yep. I, I'm sure they'll do that tracking cell phone data thing again to show where everybody went and, and, and what happened. I hope oh, we'll not. But... Yeah, I don't know. I'm a little I'm a little tired of the whole thing. So the racial <laughs> aspect of Kamala you're going to explain to us? Yeah. Yeah, listen, I'm asking a question that I have heard voiced through the years, but nobody in the media uh, has the guts to talk about it. Maybe we shouldn't. Oh, boy. I just don't care. <laughs> so we're going <laughs> to. That's next. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. The most oblivious politician in America has joined forces with the most calculating politician in America. Hilarity ensues. Neither one believes anything, but only one of them knows what day it is. (laughs) Well, that's just like your opinion, man. I think that's unfair. And rather dismissive of our nation's elderly. Dr. Carlson there. The calculating part, though... uh, there are things uh, about which you should not be cynical. Your family, your country, your your faith, uh, you know, uh, civil rights, that sort of thing. But there are things you can't be cynical enough about, and politicians certainly in that category. And Kamala Harris is an incredibly cynical politician. But I'm looking at this uh, tweet by Sean King, a couple of uh, tweets. Uh, he's got more than a million followers on Twitter. He's a super progressive, uh, uh, you know, writer, podcaster. Etc. He's in all the right organizations. Here's a tweet from uh, November um, of 18. I'll be frank and tell you two Democrats that I'm 99% sure I won't be supporting, primarily because of their dismal history on criminal justice reform over the course of their entire careers. Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, they both helped build and advance mass incarceration. Then a couple of days ago, he tweeted, that's it for me. I'm incredibly proud to see a brilliant black woman uh, chosen as vice presidential nominee. 
I've done political work my whole life. It's rarely things dreams are made of. Kamala Harris is the most progressive VP nominee in American history. <laughs> oh, my God. I just love it. So uh, we were talking about Kamala Harris uh, earlier and that the mainstream media are just going nuts talking about how she's the first black woman, the first Southeast Asian woman or Indian American woman ever read and and she is roughly and and I hate even talking about this because I consider it loathsome. I think she's like twenty five percent or so black at most, um, and she is one of those people who has some genetic material from dark skinned people um, in her. But she would have to tell you, you would never guess. Her appearance is quite light-skinned, and I mean, just nobody would ever know. Um, But she's being hailed as the first black woman, blah, blah, blah. And I asked the question, if you are a a black person, African-American, whatever term you prefer, you're more comfortable with, who is obviously, unmistakably, a black person, and some gal who you you have to be told is black takes on the whole I have broken through thing. How do you feel about that? Because we've had people express that thought to us in the past, and I, but I didn't hmm. want my words out there. I won there, so got this note from, uh, we'll keep, just keep everybody anonymous, but trust me, this is real. I, I know this person, longtime correspondent. I am a black man, longtime listener, originally from the south side of Chicago, Englewood neighborhood. Strangely enough, we have a story from Englewood coming up in a moment. Um, and I, as well as my black friends, laugh at the media for referring to Kamala as a black, as black or even African American. We called Obama white boy back in the day because his mother was white. And we consider Kamala far from being black because of her Indian heritage from her mother. And also, like Obama, neither of their fathers were American, so they can't be African Americans. Anyway, most true blacks or African Americans do not consider Kamala as a black person, really. Now, he doesn't have the authority to spo- speak for most black people, you know, nationwide or whatever. He's she, talking about the people he knows. She did finish like eighth in every state that, she, that the polling was showing among black voters, though. Oh, yeah. She did loathsomely among black voters. She She got no support, which I found, you know. Kind of interesting. Oh, I'd meant to do this one first, actually. Um, and then transition. Maybe well, I'll say that for a minute uh, or two from now. So anyway, Englewood, uh, uh, it's a neighborhood in Chicago. Oh, my God, we're almost out of time. Mm-hmm. It's the neighborhood where that shooting took place the other day that allegedly fueled the rioting and looting downtown in Chicago. Well, a bunch of Black Lives Matter protesters went to demonstrate at a local precinct, and they were run out of town by the black folks who lived there, who told them, get the F out of here. You're not from here. You don't care about here. Our relationship with the cops is uneasy, but we need them. More of the details uh, coming up. Armstrong and Getty. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, 
Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Every Day Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. You can build internal resources. That's what the study of psychology is about, building internal resources. Turning towards is one of the most important elements of successful relationships, no matter what kind of relationship it is. The thing that underpins all of this productivity stuff is finding a way to make the journey itself enjoyable. The journey is the destination. The beauty of uncertainty is infinite possibility. When you don't know what's next, you don't know what's next. And thus, anything can be next. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. I've been a journalist for two decades, writing cover stories for Business Week, Fortune, and Wired. And now, every Monday, I bring you conversations with people who are thinking deeply about work and where it fits into our lives. Like Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella on growth mindsets. The learn-it-all does better than the know-it-all. Or MacArthur Genius winner Angela Duckworth on talent versus grit. Your long-term effort and your long-term commitment are surprisingly important. Each episode delivers pragmatic advice for right now. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Armstrong and Getty Show. A stunt double in England recently set himself on fire to propose to his girlfriend, so he's extremely romantic. And bonus, he already knows how it feels to be married. Hey, now. Hmm. We do have some breaking news that's probably not donkey worthy, but uh, Trump, or maybe it is, I don't know. I think it absolutely is. Okay, breaking news. Why do we own a news donkey if we're not going to have him break? Some of his hours have been furloughed, so we had to really make sure we we use them properly. Oh, I see. Uh, He's only working 20 hours a week. (laughs) President Trump has announced an historic normalization of ties. Between Israel and the UAE, his specific tweet was a huge breakthrough today, exclamation point. Historic peace agreement between our two great friends, Israel and the United Arab Emirates. The UAE is run by that guy, MBZ, who along with MBS are hell-bent on putting Iran in a corner. So the UAE is uh, siding with Israel and saying, okay, we're on the same team now. It's you and me and uh, Saudi Arabia against Iran. The enemy of my enemy is my friend. So. I think that's good for us. We need more countries aligned against Iran. I think so. The ever-shifting sands of the Middle East. Can you use that term? Especially apt metaphor, because there are ever-shifting sands there. Because it's so sandy. Yes. So getting back to Chicago's Englewood neighborhood, I found this uh, delightful, honestly. A bunch of woke jackasses 
decided to organize a march leading to the 7th Police Precinct in Englewood, vacation, uh, vacation, uh, a, a neighborhood in Chicago. Um, I have a uh, freaking autoplay video. <laughs> Stop it! Man, I'm a First Amendment freak, and I want to end autoplay videos. <laughs> Trying to get me to take a vacation there, and it distracted me. Anyway, so uh, they, they, they organized these woke jackasses, heavily white people as always, Organized this march uh, to the the cop shop in Englewood. However, an organizer later told Fox 32 that groups decided to leave after confrontations with nearby residents felt left them feeling unsafe. Unsafe, the great call of the woke dope. Resident Daryl Smith shouted at them, if you ain't from Englewood, get the F out of here. They're going to come to Englewood, antagonize their police. Then then when they go back home to the north side or Indiana, our police are bitter. Yeah. Charles McKenzie, a a community violence prevention group uh, volunteer, concurred saying, we refuse to let anyone come to Englewood and tear it up. Protesters maintained that they had come to demonstrate peacefully in favor of defunding the, the police. Get out of here! A lot of people are saying the looting sparked from Englewood. We're not having that. It didn't spark from Englewood. Those looters are opportunists, and we're tired of Englewood getting a black eye for anything and everything that happens, said uh, Smith, the guy I quoted earlier. I just love that. A bunch of woke chicks from Indiana show up and are going to fix Englewood by marching and chanting their idiotic slogans. I I, I say hail to the, the folks in that neighborhood trying to make it a better place to live. Good for you. How bad was the looting in Chicago the other day? The Wall Street Journal with an article today. After Chicago looting and coronavirus, businesses consider closing shop. On Jewelers Row, businesses saw their inventory wiped out. One man saying 42 years of business and all of it is gone. We've been through recessions, lost conventions. 9-11 was a blip, but this is unprecedented. Wow. Give me clip 31. Come on, Sean. Jack, you're wrong. It was good. They get upset when people start looting. People in this city are struggling through a pandemic. So I don't care if somebody decides to loot a Gucci or a Macy's or a Nike because that makes sure that that person eats. That makes sure that that person has clothes. That makes sure that that person can make some kind of money because this city obviously doesn't care about them. Not only that, that's reparations. There you have Ariel Atkins, the Black Lives Matter organizer for the city of Chicago. How many cities in America could say we've had the worst rioting we've had in decades or ever? A lot of them. Yes. Yep. A lot of them. Mm -hmm. Man, that needs to be more of a campaign issue and not just, you know, kind of the bumper sticker sort of headlines around it. What's going to be done about this? Is this okay? Is this now all right? That if people get upset about something, they can just destroy all the businesses in one street? Holy cow. Well, I've lived long enough now to see several uh, of the uh, several examples of what I've always said that societies veer from guardrail to guardrail. They hit a sweet spot in the middle, then don't realize they're in it, and they keep veering. Well, there were very soft on crimey feelings about in the 60s, uh, late 60s especially. And violent crime, crime in general, property crime, just exploded in the early 70s. The 70s were horrific, depending what city you were in. So those tough-on-crime measures that Joe Biden's getting beat up uh, for, they were passed because people were in mortal danger way too often. 
And uh, lots of people went to jail. Now uh, everything, the crime's way down, so everybody's decided that wasn't necessary. Look, look, there's no crime, so let's let's try lawlessness. And it's especially on the West Coast and some blue cities like Chicago, where they're decriminalizing crime. They're letting all the criminals out of jails, and you're seeing an explosion in crime and rioting and looting and the rest of it. I was watching um, a video last night on Twitter of somebody driving through Portland just with like their cell phone out. Just going down streets, and it's just boarded up window after boarded up window. All these businesses. Yeah. yeah. And I've had the windows smashed out. It's amazing. Well, and at some point, and you're seeing it from some interesting quarters, including the folks there in Englewood, Chicago, saying, uh, no, we don't want to live like this. How about you all do what we pay you to do and round up the criminals and put them in jail? Prosecute them. By the way, the Multnomah uh, County, the the Portland, uh, that county prosecutor announced he won't prosecute hundreds of rioters who are accused of all sorts of crimes. They will not prosecute. Only the very tiny percentage that were caught doing serious felonies will be prosecuted. In other words, he's announced that a fair amount of lawlessness will go unpunished and unprosecuted in Multnomah County. If you have a lick of common sense... You know exactly where that's going to lead. So I'm going through some of the notes as I was going through the news yesterday. A variety of things. Tim Carney, who we like, tweeted out. So now that Biden called her Kamala, can we drop the pearl clutching every time a conservative or Republican mispronounces her name? Did he accidentally call her Kamala? I've read that a couple places. Yeah, that's what I understand. I hadn't heard it. Uh, but. But whatever. But I agree. Let's quit acting like it's a, you know, some sort of an attack on everything that is good. If you say Kamala instead of Kamala. Uh, at some point. Um, on the economy, uh, remember when the quarterly report came out and we had contracted 8%, and then a lot of people were reporting it, because if you you know, you know take that over four quarters, that's about a 32 33% drop. The U.K. is in way worse situation. Their quarterly decline was 20%. Holy Which cow. annualized, obviously, would be 80%. Practically all of it. Well, uh, yeah. plus you're... you're cutting a smaller and smaller pie, so it really mounts up. The decline in uh, uh, GDP growth in the U.K. is double the U.S. and second only to Spain, so Spain's even worse in Europe because of COVID. Oof. It's going to be a long time to dig out all this. In New York, Mayor Bill de Blasio said yesterday that the city is moving forward with painfully real plans, saying he's not kidding, to lay off 22,000 public workers on October 1st, uh, unless other sources of cash come through. They're just out of money. 22,000 public workers that they're going to have to get rid of. Now, I don't know if they need all those. Maybe that would be a good thing to a certain extent. but And it's all about the generous pay and benefits that have been building up years and years and years and years. And then you hit an economic crisis and you can't afford it anymore. Right. You know, what's a real contrast is uh, he did this photo op in a New York City bakery and the manager told him, hey, we're really all hurting. These covid laws and regulations you're passing. It's devastating. We need people's confidence. We need people to come in. And de Blasio blew him off. He said, yeah, well, somebody said, no, nah, you're doing fine. De Blasio said, whatever. It's a difference of opinion. Just walked away. So on the same day, he made a heart-rending speech, tears streaming down his face about having to lay off government employees. Then when a private business said, hey, we're really hurting over here, he said, get out of my face. That's a very good point. Unfriggin' real. It's a very good point. How many how many people with a, a non-government jobs have been laid off in the last five months? 
Millions upon millions. millions. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The most in our nation's history. And but, what, but it's a national story when government workers are going to lose their job because that's not supposed to ever happen under any circumstances. Dinesh D'Souza, who likes to poke people. Uh, He's a poker. He tweeted out yesterday, here are the names of the 200-plus slaves owned by Kamala Harris's ancestor Hamilton Brown in Jamaica. Mm. Uh, oh, speaking of Hamilton. I don't think that means anything other than you got to shut up about people's backgrounds, don't you? I have only the vaguest notions about what my great-great-grandparents did. I mean, I know a little about it, and I kind of wish I knew more, but I certainly don't expect to be held responsible for it. Heck no. I wasn't there, you see. And oh, then, speaking of Hamilton, Jack used to mock me because back when I had a house full of babies, you know, I would occasionally, like once once every six months, Judy and I would sit down and watch a movie on VHS or DVD or whatever, um, and and I would I would say what I thought of it, and generally it was a ten year old movie, and, and Jack would mock me for reviewing ten year old movies. Mm. Um, I finally saw uh, the first act, and we're going to watch the second act uh, tonight of Hamilton, of the, uh, the 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 filmed version of the original cast. Alexander Hamilton. Yes, that's the one. Thank you. Um, and uh, and with and, uh, the main guy, uh, Lin Manuel yeah. Miranda. Yeah, the entire original cast, and it is outstanding. I understand why it was so popular. I, I would assume it is. But here's what pleased me: it's incredible. All the singing. It's <laughs> it's a freaking musical. God, I hate musicals. Oh, my my it's sons the best and one I. You've ever seen my sons and I bond over that. God dang it, musicals suck. I mean, just just the worst. It's painful to me. Most those, of them are to me too. And it's interesting that so many people enjoy it. Yes. Such a great deal. You want the dialogue sung to you in a, in a childlike manner. And With, generally the music is terrible. It's schmaltzy. It's that Broadway style of music that I can't stand. And people just love it. Yeah. Oh, I hate it. But anyway. And I'm not a big hippity hop guy, but the show rocks. I mean, it's good. It's it's you know, and generally rock musicals, their version of rock music is so limp. It's so flaccid. You're not making church better. You're making rock music worse. <laughs> Thank Bill you. Once said. Greatest line ever. <laughs> um, uh, anyway, so it was outstanding. But what surprised me is that it is incredibly patriotic. It is solidly patriotic. And it is also just absolutely drenched in uh, lessons of uh, self-reliance and resilience and hard work, which I thought was great. Um yeah, and it's good. So if you haven't seen it on the video, it's pretty good. Yeah, I read the Chernow biography. I'll go with that. <laughs> okay, you're better than I'm me. anti musical, but I agree with you. This is it's if not the best, easily one of the best I've ever seen. Well, I don't doubt yeah. that for a second. But still, a lot of singing. A lot of singing. Well, only singing. <laughs> it's really more an opera than it is a musical. Well, you know my take that musicals are operas for dumb people. So this is what I don't know. Like midway between? Well, it's just a really good musical. But yeah, in general, the uh, musicals are for people who wish they could be fans of operas but lack the but are uh, too dumb. The, the, the intelligence. <laughs> that's that's yeah. an interesting theory. And one more uh, tweet I came across yesterday from somebody I don't know who it was, but they said this. We're going to elect this dude that no one expects to last a full term so we can have this other woman in there that nobody wanted when she ran on her own. <laughs> that's exactly what's going to happen. It's astounding. It's pretty well described. Didn't even make it to Iowa. Didn't even, it wasn't, wasn't enough support to even try the first contest. <laughs> she pulled out. She had to. No support, no money, no interest, no nothing. And there's a real decent chance she's going to be president within a couple of years. This is no way to run a country. It's wild. 
Show. You know you're in the road, right? Was I? You were. How much you have to drink tonight? Uh, a couple. Uh, I think it's a little more than a couple. Okay, I'm not gonna lie to you. Yeah. Are you gonna take me to jail or not? No, I didn't say that. I said we're gonna do some field sobriety exercises. I have been drinking. So I'm gonna ask you one more time if you want to do these exercises. No, sir. You don't take me to jail. All right, Paul. Go ahead and turn around. And put your hands behind your back. Guy was on a riding lawnmower, George Jones style. Got pulled over drunk. <laughs> That's right. The uh, the country legend did that once, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah, or, or once or more. Yeah. It is my understanding that gentleman already had multiples and could have been the reason why he was driving the lawnmower in the first place. Yeah, that's why George Jones, the famous country music uh, star, was. He had had his license taken away many, many years earlier. Mm. So he was driving a small tractor down the road. It's a bad way to be. Although, I don't know. I like driving tractors. I don't do that much. I have car lost right now. I have terrible car lost. Uh, but I'm resisting it. I'm fighting it. Yeah, I'm a very thrifty man. It reminds me, there's a uh, there's a popular country song by Jason Aldean, who we have a cardboard cutout of, a, of in here for some reason. But he's wearing a Barack Obama mask, Jason so Al- we refer to him regularly as Barack Aldean. <laughs> Jason Aldean cruising on a uh, cruising on a dirt road, swerving like I'm George Jones. Mm. Um, smoke rolling out the window, ice cold beer sitting in the console. So he's oh. smoking pot, drinking beer, and swerving like he's George Jones. That is uh, advocating illegal activity, and that is a hit country song. I do not approve. When did pot become okay in country music? Uh, well, Hank Jr. and uh, and Willie Nelson and others had been mentioning it for a long time. They'd always call it smoke. Oh, yeah, family you know tradition. That's right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, why do you blow smoke or yeah. roll smoke or yeah. whatever it is? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Hey, I promise this, so I want to pay it off just real quickly. Um, a, a teacher, listener of ours, um, and there are many, and it is amazing how little pushback we get when we talk about teachers' unions and how they do not have the best interests of the kids in mind. It's almost never, it's, as they say in the statistics business, vanishingly small, the number of uh, emails, texts, whatever, we get pushing back against that. I love teachers. I, I cherish teachers. I thank God for teachers. But I have very little love for teachers' unions. We got this note from a teacher uh, blah, blah, blah. back. Uh, I'm a teacher. Back when there were kids in school, I used to be driven crazy. Oh, they were talking about. I was talking about my neighbor, who's an obsessive leaf blower, and then he hires his gardeners. And I think he's told them, "I don't want a single leaf, not even a stem, not even a speck of dust on my grass. You stay there and you blow and you blow and you blow until it is utterly pristine." And I'm about ready to to assassinate his gardener. <laughs> uh, but anyway. <clears throat> Uh, I'm a teacher, and back when there were kids in school, I used to be driven crazy by all the leaf blowing by the custodians that would happen right outside of my classroom while I was teaching. Then I realized that kids are only in school so that other people will have jobs. And it's not about learning, so yeah, it's all good now. It's become clear to them the school exists as a jobs program, and the priority is the maximum number of people having jobs. And I thought, wow, that's that's really an interesting point. And it so echoes discussions we've had throughout the years about so many progressive schemes, for instance, for the military. They don't see the military as a fighting force that protects the United States, attacks our enemies, defends, uh, kills people and breaks stuff as necessary. They see it as a massive jobs program. 
And I just thought that was that was an interesting insight from the teacher. And then it, when you look at, for instance, and I have a couple of examples, school district. Oh, my God, I didn't get to the Fairfax County story I wanted to. You have school districts saying we will have no school because of the COVID. Now, you can bring your children to the school. They can be there all day, but it will be daycare run by the teachers, but it's not school. I mean, isn't that all the proof you need? Public schools exist as a jobs program, and your kids are a, I mean, they're an afterthought for a lot of the powers that be. I mean, they'll teach them if they're there, more or less. But if you're in a crappy, crappy school, and you say, hey, is there any chance I can get my kid to a better school? They'll tell you absolutely no, because that would screw up the jobs program. You have to understand that. That's really frustrating. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is, man. So many things that we've got, if you were going to start over and build them from the ground up, nobody would sign up for it. Oh, no, no. No, they, they become that way. They evolve that way. Bureaucracies always do. It's the iron law of bureaucracy. They start with a purpose, and slowly but surely, they, they evolve to the point that they're, everybody's purpose is to preserve the bureaucracy. The original purpose becomes, like the kids, an afterthought. Everything becomes a jobs program, and to the extent that they can unionize it or, or pass laws, it's, it's a jobs program where you can't possibly fire anybody, no matter how horrible they are at their job, or even if they're a predator. And just, you got to fight that, folks. Less government, less, 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 less bureaucracy all the time. Choke it. Otherwise, it'll grow like a fungus and, and snuff out uh, life as we know it. I'm not trying to be dramatic. It's true. That was fairly dramatic. Yeah, I know. Snuff I can't out like life as we know it. That's a gift. Armstrong and Getty. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleh Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.